0: Baseball money is fake on the Sports Gambling Podcast Network. It's presented by WinBet. WinBet is now live in Arizona, Colorado, Indiana, Louisiana, Michigan, New Jersey, New York, Tennessee, and Virginia. From boosted same-game parlays to live in-game odds, WinBet has what you need to win. Sign up today, bet $100, and get $100 at sportgamblingpodcast.com slash WinBet. That's sportsgamblingpodcast.com slash W-Y-N-N-B-E-T. State restrictions apply.
1: Welcome to Baseball Money is Fake. The Fantasy Baseball Podcast on the Sports Gambling Podcast Network. I am Blake Meyer. And this is a little bit of a different episode today. Because we're this is one of those ones where we uh, we have a guest on, but I recorded with the guest last night, and me and R- Ryan are here doing our little intro and everything for you guys the next day. But we had on uh, actually
0: before I do that, Ryan, how you doing today? <laughs> no, I, I'm doing good. Uh, there was just some scheduling confusion on my part, so I was unable to make the uh, interview with our guest. But from what I, from what I hear from you, it was fantastic. Uh, so uh, and from this guy's Resume where where he uh, has his podcast, where he writes. It, it seems like he has some uh, great stuff there. So spring training games got underway today. I'm, I'm doing fantastic. I threw a game on in the background earlier. It was actually the Mariners game. That was the only game Hell available to yeah. me. So I was watching that one. Mariners Padres. Uh, baseball's back, baby.
1: Baseball's back. And Xander Bogarts got struck out on the stupidest fucking swing. He looked like Javier Baez. And I was so happy because I'm team fade Bogarts. So... <laughs> Uh, but, yeah, the guest yesterday was uh, Mike Curland from Gaining the Edge Fantasy, from The Athletic. Uh, he's over there at Fantasy Pros with me as one of the baseball writers. And even though me and him didn't mention it in the, uh, the interview because he, he doesn't keep up with it quite as often, he does have a podcast called The Bases Loaded Pod that they upload on YouTube and Apple Podcasts and things like that. You can catch him on Twitter at Mike underscore Curland, K-U-R-L-A-N-D. Awesome conversation. Uh, he's, uh, he's the spring training guy that does more than just spring training stuff, uh, which he liked to point out to me. But uh, he is very well known for his... Uh, Man, what do you call it? Uh, Spring training. He does like live roster updates every day, lineup updates, like everything you could ever imagine. And every game, he has player notes and team notes. And he gets, he literally sits for two hours a day and updates it every single day throughout spring training. And then rolling into the season, uh, like I know he's doing a bunch of fantasy pros work with me. Uh, He has three articles coming up this month and then he's going to follow up with that throughout the season. Same with his work uh, on the athletic. And he also has a lot of work on his patreon which i think everybody should go check out it's five bucks i think he said it's really cheap and they're putting up it's him uh who i don't oh know man who else works for gte fantasy him uh sp streamer off of twitter who's won a bunch of awards excellent writer like there's a ton of guys just putting out crazy high level fantasy baseball content it fought like 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 I said, five bucks. Go check mm-hmm. it out. Check out his YouTube as well. It's GTE fantasy on YouTube. It pops up. Just an awesome conversation. And next time he's on, Ryan is going to be there for it. Because... Uh, I,
0: I will be there for it. I'll make sure I have the actual time running down correctly. And there's no, uh, no conflicts there. But yeah, I, I saw his tweet earlier today about the uh, Royals lineup saying, he you could see that's where Pasquantino and Salvi and uh, Isbell could stay for the rest of the season. And then Pasquantino had to hit a, hit a bomb, went two for two with, with a walk. Good to see uh, some home run videos out there. It's fantastic to see, and yeah, that uh, that Mariners game, uh, Prelander Baroa looked pretty good. I saw some; he had three Ooh, strikeouts in two innings. Mm-hmm. Looking at his minors numbers, he only made it to Double A last year. Had some uh, ERA troubles, four point three seven there, but he has the stuff where if he like gets hot and figures it out, he can be a, a dominant closer.
1: Yeah, he's he's been like a sneaky name that's kind of been talked about a little more. Oh, he's a starter. This? I think he's a, uh, no, I think he's a reliever. He, he was a starter. I think they're going to
0: use him as a reliever. Okay. In the minors, he was a starter, it says. Yeah.
1: But I mean, he had the two innings with three strikeouts today, but those three strikeouts came. He walked the first batter he faced and then he struck out. Uh, man, it was like three of their big guys, like Soto, Machado, and Bogarts or something like that, just struck them all out. And then second inning got a quick three, three outs. I was listening to it on the radio because I absolutely love listening to fucking Rick Riz. I sit in my car, like I get home from work and i sit in the car with the game still on in the radio just so i can listen to fucking rick raise because he's amazing dave sims is okay but rick Riz is better and aaron goldschmidt is the shit maybe the best play-by-play guy in baseball and i'm so glad he stayed and didn't go to st louis
0: yeah philly's got some good uh radio guys too scott fransky's on there uh, larry anderson was always his uh fransky in la for a long time but he's i think he's stepping back or he has been in uh, recent years, but I think he still does home games and they have a uh, Kevin Stocker on there. Baseball on the radio is, is just fantastic. I mean, you you, you want to watch it, but like the radio is just, it's a, it's an experience. It's, it's definitely enjoyable.
1: I agree. And like, I'm listening to all these home run videos that I've watched lately. <laughs> it's blows my mind how you can listen to some of them. And there's just, I don't want to say no emotion from the broadcasters, but it's like, they're having a normal conversation. Somebody hits a home run and they're like, Oh, he hit that one hard and then they just go right <laughs> into their thing. And I'm like, Rick Riz is like up out of his chair, like home run, Julio. It, like it's great. Like it gets you so hyped, even like if it's just a line driving the gap and he calls it out, it gets you so hyped.
0: But uh, you, you yeah. got a little uh, ad us yeah. going without further this? ado. Let's get into the ads and then we can get into the uh interview here. So uh make sure you check out Winbet. WinBet's the official online sportsbook of the Sports Gambling Podcast Network. WinBet's active in a bunch of states, and there are tons of ways to win, including live betting and same-game parlays, a.k.a. WinBet's Build Your Own Bet. Great promos, odds, and payouts are happening right now at WinBet. Ready to play? Sign up today to receive a special offer. Bet $100, get $100, limited to state availability. And, of course, if you hit the biggest long-shot parlay of the week, you get $1,000 free credit. There's so much to choose from. All you have to do is head over to sportsgamblingpodcast.com slash winbet so they know we sent you. That's sportsgamblingpodcast.com slash W-Y-N-N-B-E-T. Offer subject to change. Terms and conditions at winbet.com. Mostly 20 or older and present in the state. through available. If you were some of you a gambling problem, call one 800 4700 Make sure you check out the SGPN merch store. It continues to add new items to the store every day. Head over to store.sportsgumlingpodcast.com to get your favorite shirts, hats, sweats, hoodies, anything you can think of over there. Plenty of uh, baseball money is fake merch to uh, to get there.
1: Uh, so without further ado, let's uh, get to the interview with Mike Kerland. Exactly. <laughs> All right, everybody, we are here with Mike Kerland. It is Blake Meyer, as always. How are you doing today, Mike? fantastic (laughs) how you doing man
2: thank you for having (laughs) me by the way
1: hey no problem thanks for coming on I know we've been talking for it's been a couple months now we've been going back and forth Uh, I know you're doing your thing over at GTE Fantasy Uh, you're working for The Athletic and you're also one of my partners in crime I guess you could call it over at Fantasy Pros getting ready for this season coming up and I wanted to have you on because for everybody that is listening to this, if you are listening to this, that means that there is now officially baseball happening. Spring training is here. And who better to talk spring training with than the spring training guy himself?
2: Yeah, I like to think of myself as the spring training guy. It's kind of fun. It's unfortunate. It's just <laughs> a, it's like a one-month, uh, like, hey, you get to shine. for I do a lot of stuff, obviously, beyond spring training. But, yeah, spring training has become something I've been known to uh, really have a handle on these days.
1: Yeah, you have that excellent uh, spring training lineup tracker that you do it really dives deep into everything that happens in spring training. I know previously you've done it for... Where was it? Was it on GTE Fantasy before? Or was it up on The
2: Athletic? Uh, no, so it was originally just something I created and posted to Twitter uh, and Reddit, actually. Oh, sure. And that's where... Yeah, it was absolutely. And it's always been a free product. It's always been something I uh, just something I built out of nothing. It was a 2020 shortened season. I decided to start mo- tracking monitors, uh, tracking monitors, <laughs> tracking monitoring lineups uh, in season just because of how COVID how crazy it was with COVID that there was like this team missing like half the half their team, the other team missing the other half the roster. And it was hard to track who's in who's out any given day. So I realized, oh, this is something I can get into. So I started tracking them, tweeting out long threads. Back when tweeting threads was a first becoming popular, I'd say, especially on the baseball side of things. Um, one thing led to another. It got, it got noticed by uh, Eric, uh, Eric Jeff Erickson over at RotoWire, and then we um, kind of picked up steam. And then in the offseason, I came up with this thing. I'm like, there's a lot of tools in season to cover monitor that that cover- I keep calling them monitors. That, that monitor, <laughs> uh, that monitor lineups. <laughs> <laughs> track lineups. So I was like, I'm going to track lineups in spring training because no one else is doing it in the way it, it, you can find the lineups anywhere, really, but no one has them in a place mm. where you can kind of just sift through them. And then I decided every, every, every so often I was like, well, there has to be more to this is just, just monitoring lineups. I was like, well, let's go ahead and let's start uh, monitoring position battles and not just position battles, but as, in, but um also where are players playing? Where can they gain eligibility for fantasy purposes? So I was monitoring where to, how teams were using them in spring platoons to watch for, um, what players are playing where and who and who's a position battle that maybe no one's talking about. I'm reading through every article I could find, trying to find manager quotes, GM quotes, and it kind of just turned into. Um, turned into something. It just kind of turned into what it's turned into in terms of like now from just tracking lineups in terms of like who's batting where to tracking all that information as mentioned, plus, um, other stuff. Like I should probably have examples, I guess, huh? If I'm going to sit here and say, Oh, plus other stuff. <laughs> um, I was working on I, examples right now. Yeah. I was like, I have it. Uh, like, um, I think I covered it, but just a lot of it is, um, like, obviously if there's injuries. Who's getting, who's, who's getting the favorable playing time next? How are teams treating certain prospects? Um, obviously tracking 40-man moves are are certain, like like guys like uh, Anthony Volpe and like Oscar Colas aren't currently on 40-man rosters. So they're entering spring training kind of behind the eight ball in terms of like path to playing time. So stuff like that matters when you're getting so granular. And again, this wasn't where it, this is where it's gotten to where it started was simply, Hey, look, this person's batting lead off all spring. Hey, look, they're leading off to start the year. No one solved for Dalton. Vert. No one thought it was, Dalton was actually going to lead off at last year, but he did for a good, uh, for a good portion and at various points. So stuff like that, like that. that's where it started was the concept of trying to find extra plate appearances in a day and age where plate appearances are becoming more like more of like sought after, especially in deeper formats and like where play appearances matter, especially, you know, with platoons being more, uh, relevant and with days off being more relevant and you know just all that going on it was just like that's kind of where i started I was like let me just find these plate appearance gems and they you no know, it's like oh there's more too and that's why like i guess just kind of escalated to a point where now it's um it, it landed me the spot at the athletic because nando found the chart loved it and with the chart i also was doing notes like these trends i'm talking about i was tracking them for everyone the notes section i put a note section under every team and i'm tracking all the ongoing things if there's injuries who's playing more this player is batting here x amount of times and oh versus righties he's been here versus lefties he's moving down or versus lefties he's been moving out and this well this has been sticky but this hasn't and then like you start learning teams and their tendencies in the spring and some teams like like the braves the red Sox, very open like the, the braves don't give out a lot of information like like they're pretty they hold things to, them, to, to themselves but in spring they don't really hold back their lineups so like That's something I've noticed over the last couple of seasons that if they show you something in spring, they usually stick to it entering the year and the Red Sox. uh, Meanwhile, the Red Sox on the other hand have been very vocal. The usually pretty open with like, Hey, this is what we're going to do. And they actually show us, not only do they show us, but they actually back it up with quotes. So you kind of learn tendencies like that. You learn which, which teams are more likely to stick with what you're, they're showing you what teams are working on things. And you'd be surprised how much of that, how much of the lineup itself will stick going into the regular season. And that's where you get your little, like those that, that little edge, that little something extra that could give you a little something. Like if again, going back to bar, I'm, I'm citing bar Show just because it was the most obvious one where I got so much, <laughs> pu- I got so much pushback last year because nobody was buying it. No one's they're like, oh, it's spring training lineups. I'm like, yeah, I understand. You can't take everything they show you, and like as gospel. Yeah. But what it was, but what it did do is it was like, well, now I got this guy who has catcher eligibility getting as much play appearances as any catcher at the position, basically, and that's what vaulted him. Yeah. Not that in the skill set kind of vaulted him vaulted Varsho up into like this upper echelon of catcher. And if you took advantage of the discount, he was at c- compared to where he finished last year. You, again, that's a small thing, but it does backfire. For instance, Dansby Swanson, the, I was, it, it wasn't wrong, but the it was, it was right. It was one of those where the, the process was right, but the results didn't follow through. Swanson was like mm-hmm. bumped to the bottom of the lineup for the Braves. And, I was like, yeah, it's going to happen. It's going to happen. And he, he he hit at the bottom of the lineup for like a month and a half. The issue was Albies got hurt mm-hmm. and underperformed. So Albies started working his way down. That left the spot wide open at the, at the two spot for Swanson to take over. And then, of course, the Albies injury just completely flatlined his chances of retaining that or regaining that excuse me so swanson not only did he have a career year but he also moved up into two spots So you have to remember that there is <laughs> you, have, you have to so what i learned from that though is you have to learn to project but the issue was is i was never going to project swanson batting second without an injury i n- no one i don't think anyone saw swanson yeah. having that good of a year type of thing you know so it can backfire but there are more hits not. than misses <laughs> there are more hits than misses in yeah. terms of projecting playing time based on spring training lineups stuff like that but it's one of those things where it's, it's just kind of like a niche within a niche. This industry is so niched down right now. I just happen to land this spot. And because I have this obsession with trying to always better my product and better things, it's just escalated from a simple, a, a simple monitoring tool, like I mentioned, to it now covers just everything I like all the other stuff I mentioned, like it, it went from something just to, Hey, I'm just watching to see where people are hitting the lineup to now I'm watching 15 things and I'm making notes and I'm writing things up and the athletic, I do stuff for them covering it. Um, I just did a, I just did a 10,000 word primer for anybody just now getting back into face baseball. If you, if you, if you subscribe to the athletic 10,000 words team by team, breaking down all the relevant information I could think of entering spring training. So if you're listening to this or if it's spring training, are you starting and you're still trying to get catch up, that's a good place to start. However, obviously, we're at the time of the year where information and everything changes so quickly that that, that 10,000 words is only good for like five days, which is wild. Like, that's why it's like you should never do something like that. I'll say that right now you should never do 10,000 words on an article that's like has like has an, expir- has an expiration date of like three days on it, you know. but but. It's a labor of love. Like I get so, I get so intrigued by all the happenings right now, as we all do. But I like to. I'm, I'm very, very meticulous mm-hmm. in terms of like I want all this information in one spot, and that's why this is even. That's why even what I do has escalated to a point where spring training. If I do this all year long, people just know me for spring training because I do it like no one else does in spring training. Whereas all year long, people kind of fall into yeah. a process, fall into their own habits, and the content. Like my content doesn't stand out as much because now a lot of people are doing stuff that, are, that that falls into similar places in terms of like what they're monitoring and all that as what I'm already doing. I just do it differently. Uh, that was a long-winded way of me, yeah, breaking down what I do. I feel <laughs> I felt like I'm like that wasn't that wasn't part of the plan, but I just gave like eight minutes. <laughs> I just gave a whole dissertation as to why I like almost justify almost like I was trying to sell myself like why I do what I do. No, I just really enjoy it, and it's like <laughs> I just feel like there's a lot. I feel like there's I feel like there's a lot of value in it, and also real life. You know, you it's people have fantasy really do enjoy real life baseball so i feel like there's a lot of interesting yeah. things that come out of it in terms of a real life aspect that that um I'm, I'm starting to enjoy that side of it just as much and i never thought i would but the real side the real side of baseball like the real side of like i used to love fantasy and kind of ignore the real life aspects but this has made me re- really appreciate mm-hmm. the real life aspects too and all those little nuggets you get from the players and stuff like that
1: yeah fantasy is the place where like a stat junkies and nerds tend to hang out and then we realize like oh shit like actual baseball is actually pretty fucking cool so i'm gonna yeah i'm gonna check out more of it like for me I'm, i live in the seattle area so i'm a big mariners fan if you've listened to the podcast before i don't really hide that very much i'm in my seattle cracking gear right now because i got a big game tonight against boston hopefully we win but your lineup tracker is perfect for somebody like me because i do absolutely love baseball i pay attention to an insane amount of baseball but when it comes spring training time I tend to get very locked in on a lot of the Mariners news just cuz that's my sweet spot that's my the Mariners are my are my shit so something like your lineup tracker gives me the ability to I can pay attention to my Mariners but I can use your spring training lineup tracker and all of that to keep track of all the trends and stuff around the league that I wouldn't catch myself and it's perfect for a lot of people that are trying to either start getting into fantasy, get deeper into fantasy, try and get that edge early on because we're really getting into draft season. I mean, people have been drafting for a while, but I know like NFBC drafts and all that are really, really <laughs> ramping up. I think there's been uh, checked yesterday. There'd been like 110 just this month, which is ridiculous. Yeah, uh, The great fantasy baseball invitational starts this weekend. Uh, Potapalooza, which everybody go check me out on Potapalooza on Saturday. I'll be up there with Scott Chu and some of the guys from uh, Fantasy Alarm talking hitters on Saturday at uh 1 p.m. Eastern time I believe so 10 a.m. my time bright and early for me I'm sure my kids will have me up hours before that but uh so also I want to point out that 10,000 words I know I told you when you like when you messaged me and told me that you wrote 10,000 words for anybody that is listening to this that has read my articles I sit in the sweet spot of about 1200 to 1500 words so if you've read one of my articles it's about 1200 to 1500 words and yours is like eight times that that's pretty fucking impressive
2: it it got away from me i i saw i i offered an idea <laughs> and then they, they said yes and then i said okay but then as again it's one of those things that as i started doing it i'm like there's so much more to this and let me let me just keep adding adding and it almost is too much honestly but i look at it like this not only is it for, you know, the athletics? So it's, a, it's a, it's you know, it's one of the bigger sites. I wanted to also put something out there that no, I can honestly feel like I could say no one else has done or no other site offers. Mm-hmm. I, I, I enjoy putting out content that's neat. First off, the fact that all season long, like on the Patreon, by the way, I guess I should mention that this tracker, it was free for like three years. And it helped me build my platform, helped me get to where I'm at. I paywalled it for the first time ever, and I felt guilty about it. And I shouldn't because I literally put it on the Patreon. It's five. It's five bucks, and you can cancel at the end of the month. So for five bucks, you have access to all this stuff. And there's, da- it's, like I said, there's, <laughs> it's, it's a daily write-up. I did the math. If you, if you, if you literally sign up and stay for thirty days and cancel before your next renewal it's 17 cents a day. I think, I mean, I usually say my, my two cents is often worth as much. I'm, I'm, I'm asking for my two cents to be worth 17 cents is how I look at it. But um, <laughs> no, cause you know, I spend about two to three hours a day on it I, and it's, da- I update it daily. If I don't update it for a day, it's because I was stupid busy at work or something that I just couldn't get to it, but it's rare that I miss a day. And then in season yeah. I transition over. I don't do that. I don't do the lineup tracking of uh, the actual tracker. I transition over to a, Three to four times a week, actually, and I showed you my sample of my write-ups. I go team by team, breaking down oh, recent yeah. trends in playing time, recent trends in platoons, re- uh, injuries, and who's been playing for them. All the same stuff, but I do it in real time throughout the week, throughout the whole six-month season. So, although I do that, I feel like, mm-hmm. all, and people do appreciate it and enjoy it. And I tweet up, I tweet a bunch of information out. So it's always like there's always something. I and I do not everything's paywall. I'll I'll throw some stuff up, you know, like hey this this week, like one out of my three a week will be free or something. So it's um I do offer free content too. Still, it's just well yeah a lot of my stuff has been paywall these days as I've gotten more niche down, more of a demand for the work, which is nice. But at the same time, it's like w- my content is also very much for the deeper league player or like dynasty players or AL NL types mm-hmm. that are trying to get a, a leg up because it's just so like no one cares about I don't know. Um, Mike, Michael Garcia, like, Oh, he, like I, I think I had a know about him. Like he's on the 40, he's on 40 man for the Royals potential for playing time via be a shortstop, but like the average redraft player probably hasn't even heard. I know I didn't hear about him until like, december of this year when i started doing i do this whole yeah. i do another thing called, i do these other things where i go through every team's 40 man take obscure names either not getting drafted or like beyond pick 400 and i do a little blurb about them and i'm doing that for the patreon right now and i'm finishing up i just finished the nl so that's how and but that's what gives me a leg up so now i know who these guys are because the average player doesn't now dynasty players might know who these players are because these players or obviously people follow the teams but again this is just one of those things that's like providing value from this niche of like just being so in tune with every, with as many, with as many players on as many teams as possible, because the average person like me, I'm a Marlins fan, which we do exist. Um, I know, I know I'm really comfortable. I'm really, yeah, first off, yeah, they they suck, but, um, I'm really in tune with that team already. But if I can take that (laughs) same level, if I can be close to, you know, having that same level of knowledge on all 29 other teams as an analyst, that provides a lot of value to my followers too. Cause I'm always tweeting stuff, you know, little Mm -hmm. nuggets or, and like you mentioned, like fantasy pros, I picked up three articles and I threw one together in like 30 minutes to just because I'm so full of information. It's and not it's not like a bragging thing. It's just like my brain's full of it because I'm doing all day, every day because I have a, it's a really bad addiction. It's like I just look at stuff. I just <laughs> I, I, I'm, I'm if I'm not reading an article about baseball, I'm writing an article about baseball. If I'm not writing an article about baseball, I'm recording YouTube videos about baseball. If I'm not recording YouTube videos about baseball, I'm talking to someone else like about like, hey, did you hear that Brad Keller? Uh, picked up another pitcher or, or revamped his stuff at Driveline, which apparently everybody's going to Driveline. That's a whole other thing. It's like nor- it was. It used to be a oh, big deal. Like, oh, they just about driveline. driveline a lot here. Well, it used to be a huge deal. Yeah. It used to be like, wow, this this one or two players went to Driveline. The Dodgers sent all their hitters to work on uh, getting their bats quicker through the through the you know through the zone and all that. I'm like, that's mm-hmm. awesome. But I'm now I'm just starting to wonder. Now my brain starts <laughs> kick, my brain starts kicking into this gear of has this always been a thing and we're just now hearing about it. Or is this new and the Dodgers yeah. are kind of the first ones to do this? I feel like this is this can't be yeah. the first time. This is just the first time we're hearing about it, you know. So you guys are thinking, and then people yeah. over here like re- overreacting to the pitch clock. Like, Hey, look, we have to w- let's watch this pitcher, this pitcher, and this pitcher because because you can go on Savant and find the times of like you know how long it takes mm. a pitcher to wind up or how long it takes a pitcher th- between pitches. What we don't realize or what we might not think about the average person, like they're like, oh, like. Like what's going to happen to this pitcher? You realize not only are these guys professionals, but they've probably been working at this timing since like November, December. They aren't just now getting to spring training, saying, "You know what? Now I got to worry about the pitch clock." They've been working all off season for this stuff. So it's yep. like we are overreaction central right now as a as a, as a community and if, as a fan as as fans. Um, the other thing we're overreacting for is the shift. The shift ban will help players, but not. I don't think it's gonna be as extreme as people might make it out to be. You know, there's players that are gonna benefit way more mm-hmm. than others for sure, and there's no arguing that. But to think that Corey Seager is gonna hit like 350 now, you know what I mean? Like th- just the overreaction of like <laughs> people, you know, you, you get what I'm saying though. People are just like, like, oh, it's gonna help man. this guy so much. I'm like, it's gonna help, it's gonna help, and it's gonna help some players more than others for sure. Just I don't think it's gonna be as helpful as people think. So I feel like we have to kind of you know, it's just that type of time of the year. You kind of have to bring down expectations, try to be level-headed, and that comes with experience. But man, I can tell you yep. what, every year I learn more and more, and every year I just become more of more, more of a wet blanket as I learn from smarter people. That, that kind of have been trying to be wet blankets for years. And I'm always like, why are these guys being jerks? Oh, they're not jerks. They're right. I'm just ignorant. <laughs> so yeah, <laughs> don't mind me. I, I like to, yeah, by the way, the... You, you got me, you got me on here. I, I'm a talker. I apologize.
1: <laughs> no, hey, you know what? That's perfect for me. If for those of you listening, sometimes I keep forgetting that we're recording this for those of you listening. If you can't tell Ryan's not here, it's just me and Mike man in the ship. Ryan will be back. He's doing his hockey thing. But uh, yeah, sometimes I feel like that's the big difference between uh, people that work in this industry and people that don't. We are the people that are overly obsessed with this stuff. There's people that like baseball. There's people that love baseball. There's people that are obsessed with baseball. And then there's people that literally every like waking moment of their day is about baseball. I sit and watch Mariners games with baseball savant open. So I can see how hard Julio Rodriguez hit that ground ball to the second baseman that he barely, barely beat out for a single on the Indian field. And like, I I sit and I look up uh, (laughs) when I'm at work, uh, you know, players that pop into my head, I look at their fan pages from back in the day, or I look up uh, what was the average exit velocity last year? What was the average? Rate. I think average bill rate last year was like seven point one percent, things like that. And I I love breaking down all this stuff. And I also wanted to say, don't ever apologize for paywalling your stuff, man. We we work in an industry that is so cutthroat and it's so full of people, and we are lucky enough to be part of the one percent of the one percent of the one percent that actually can say we we I don't want to say get paid because then that sounds weird. But like we we actually do somewhat of a living in in a sense. And so never, never feel bad for paywalling the stuff that you work so hard for, especially 10,000 words is fucking insane. So, yeah, Yeah, five bucks is a steal for that. (laughs)
2: Well, the 10,000 words was on the athletic, but like this thing, the, the tracker will probably like all the write-ups I do for the next month. Cause I, what I do is I, so I do the notes I you've seen, I've showed you the, uh, and people can see access, still access right. 2022's version to get an idea. But I showed you like every team gets a little note section, but what I do for the Patreon on top of the, you know, this again, being Patreon exclusive, I take these notes and I put them in an easier to read format and, and I, and I'll elaborate on them because I have more space. So I do my right. I do my daily, uh, my daily write-ups and, like, if I see a player say, I'm like, okay, well, this player's been batting third, you know, two out of three days. Let's look some stuff up. And I'll get into some weird stuff. Like, let's go dive into his, his numbers last year when he hit third. Let's go – and it's obviously not really – there's no stickiness to that at all. But I'm just curious how he handles. How does he hit with runners in scoring position? How does he hit with men on base? All the stuff that's – you know, you can, and this is where I just kind of get so granular just because, well, maybe that's why they're hitting him third. Maybe they realize, oh, um, Jazz, Jazz Chisholm, he – his his – OPS with like runners scoring, uh, scoring position and with men on base is like 950 plus at first career. So that makes you, that makes you wonder if he's that good at hitting with players on base, will he go for, will he still lead off or are they going to utilize Arias and Segura ahead of him, giving him a chance to have those players on base and get, and get those guys in scoring position. So that's where it goes for that. And that's where my analysis kind of takes me on that rabbit hole of, okay, this makes sense. If, if Chisholm has these good numbers, Maybe obviously the team knows this because I'm not anybody special. I'm just a guy who follows random, again goes on ra- random rabbit holes. But then I, yeah. I start trying to apply that. I try. I start trying to apply that knowledge or that that what I what I find into like how can I project playing time or how can I project uh, plate appearances. So and that's and that's kind of why this is how, again this is how the niche has evolved my thinking too. And then I, I realized last year I was too. Uh, I didn't project forward enough in terms of like. Like I would take what a team shows us as gospel in terms of who's playing and all that, but now I've got. I think I realized I, my big takeaway last year was be a little more open to projecting not only better playing time for young guys, but um, also be more open to projecting playing time for like prospects that haven't been called up yet. Especially when it's for, for guys like I don't know, insert Oakland Athletics player here. Normally they went out and got a bunch of prospects. <laughs> my my point is is um like Tony Kemp. Like by, by midseason, I'd be surprised if Tony Kemp is in the way of. You know, they shift people around, and then you have um Diaz. I can't remember his first name, but like uh, Diaz comes up, and he's I think he's a first baseman. So Seth Brown can move around. And my point is, is I'm trying to get to a point where I've gotten to a point where instead of just assuming Hey, Tony Kemp's going to lead off all year. Tony Kemp probably leads off the first half. He led off all year last year, but I bet you it's because they couldn't trade him. And I don't think they're gonna. Mm-hmm. I think they're going to go. You know, they're not. The A's aren't going to not sell off somebody if they can't. Kemp will make a great yeah. depth piece for a lot, for a lot of teams this year. So that's another, that's a team where you start looking at teams like the, the Tigers, the like Parker Meadows for the Tigers before they went out and got Matt Veerling. I really liked Parker Meadows just because he flashed really. And he, again, he's a young guy flashed big numbers in the upper minors on the 40 man. Um, little thing, little check boxes I make out on these prospects, and he was a guy I was super in on to start draft season, like in November when I was start getting into it. Before they made that move and made other moves, so just stuff like that. It's like I'm, I'm like, all right, well, I can see, even though all those moves were made, I still can see a second half. Um, I can still see him coming up, you know, July and making a difference for fantasy, and that's the stuff I'm putting in my analysis yeah. more now than ever before because I've learned the hard way of not being um not not doing it enough now <laughs> now there is that weird like don't do it too much maybe I should do it more like with um guys like Jordan Walker uh things I'm so torn Jordan on him Walker. and then Matt 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 Mervis, another guy that just um Matt Mervis was a guy I was pretty much in denial about like I'm like oh but then they keep signing depth pieces but if Mervis is as good as we expect him to be those guys aren't, nothing of them, we're going to hold them back. So I'm still trying to project Mervis for like a June call up right now. Whereas Jordan Walker, I had the same mindset of, oh, Jordan Walker is a June, a June call up, but wait a minute. A recent quote from, and this is what goes back to mining, mining the news like Zimmerman will do, but like, I, I look for my own information as I'm doing this lineup stuff. Same idea. I do similar mining the news, not as in depth as Zimmerman, but like I'm looking for lineup information or quotes like this about playing time where you have Tyler O'Neill and Carlson play, uh, fighting for center field. So what does that tell me? They, they're looking at opening up a corner outfield spot. They have Alec Burleson. They have um, they have Yepes, but they also have Jordan Walker, who they're transitioning to the outfield because he's not going to play third base, you know, with Arenado there, or first base mm-hmm. with Goldie there. So I'm looking at it like sure, Burleson can factor in. Burleson's a lefty. Yep is a righty, I believe, if memory serves. So they can platoon naturally there. Carlson hasn't showed yep. much at the big league level. O'Neal hasn't been able to stay healthy, but O'Neal has the skill set to be a good hitter and a good fielder, even in center, and has the natural speed and skill set to be a center fielder. Regardless, um, my point is, is now I'm thinking, do I do I sit here and project Jordan Walker being able to break camp now because it looks like it sounds like they're trying to make a spot for him, or are they making that spot for Alec Burleson, who they really like too? Sounds like so that's where it gets tough. And Walker's another guy. Walker and Mervis, neither one of them are on the forty man as of right now. Not that that can't change at any mm-hmm. moment, but when you enter spring, not on the forty man you realize that a team has to make room for you now. So that kind of puts you in that position where you have to kind of take a step back and realize as much as I like these guys, they currently cannot break camp with the team until they get put on the 40 man. (laughs) So, so you have to realize like as much as you like a player, they're not going to make the team if they're they're not, if they're not made, if there's room not made for them. So, and injuries can open that up or just obviously like, why would they not cut Hosmer or, or Evan Rios with those deals that they gave them? Those are cuttable assets as well to make room for, uh, for Mervis, et cetera. So you get my, you get my point. It's just, again, it's just one of those things where, Oh yeah. You, you want to keep an open mind. You don't want to be too aggressive. It's a weird sweet spot and you're not going to get it right all the time. You're probably gonna be wrong more times than you're right. When it comes to trying to project when a young guy is going to come up or a prospect is going to make an impact and all that. But the goal is to at least know where to look for that. You know what I mean? And that's where I'm getting, trying to get better at. That's where I, where, where I feel like this has led me to being better. And a part of what I cover is trying to, put that information out there for people to have as well. So when it comes to spring training, then
1: I know a lot of people say that like stats and things in spring training don't matter as much, but are there specific things that you look at in a player in spring training that makes them stand out more to you than normal? So
2: I will say the same thing. I will echo that stats don't matter, but Mm -hmm. There, but I will say this: um, stats. I will look. Well, stats. So what I will look for. It's it's only for hitters. I will look for stats because pitchers. You'll you'll hear a lot. Like you'll see. Oh, look at this! Like Andrew Heaney last year was getting crushed in spring, and then you would read, like, yeah, he went two innings because he was and he threw all these pitches, but he's he was only working on his new sweeper that he was throwing. And that was kind of his thing. Like, yeah, he threw some fastballs in there, but he was really working on his mechanics, working on the new pitch. And that's what pitchers. Mm-hmm. A lot of pitchers will ramp up doing that. Other, on the other hand, you will have pitchers trying, and that's when it matters, I guess, a little bit for pitchers when they're trying to fight for that fifth starter spot. Like this, this, uh, this spring, we have what Wesneski, um, okay, like two other names that are fighting for the the last spot in the Cubs rotation. That's where that's where your performance might matter. You want to look at those guys because those guys aren't going to be tinkering as much because they're trying to they're trying to break camp mm-hmm. as a starter. So that's where that's where maybe your pitcher stats matter more. Um, but when it comes to hitters, I don't care about anything besides walk rate and strikeout rate. And even those, it's such a small sample. You can't take away any stat, anything from stats in such a small sample. But guys that were like, yeah. it reminds me of like Keston Hero last year, Keston hero. He was hitting bombs, walking 14% of the time, mm-hmm. like he usually does or whatever. But he was even though he was having a great spring hitting almost 300 or, or I think he might fish at 300 or whatever, had like six home runs he still had like a 35% strikeout rate that oh. carried over that carried over. So as flashy as the numbers were, the strikeout rate was still an issue and guess what happened? It's still, it was still an issue in the, in the regular season. Mm-hmm. A few years back, Travis Shaw, Travis Shaw started having those uh, issues with in the spring train where he just Ooh. couldn't hit anything. I know a name drop, right? <laughs> um, yeah. He, 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 he was, was coming off. I think he was coming off like a 30 home run season with Milwaukee or something like, but he came off a big year. It was like, he was a guy that everyone was liking and he just started suddenly, he was having issues with mechanics, having big time strikeout issues in spring and that carried over. And that was like the final year. Like, and no, and ever since then, he was like irrelevant after that. And I don't know what the heck happened there in general, but um, that was like, that's the type <laughs> of stuff. That's so those, maybe those are two extremes, but those are the type of things that, uh, I follow, especially with players that know are known to have strikeout issues. I don't know, I don't remember Shaw having that type of strikeout issue per se, but Hira does or did and does. Yeah. So if a player uh-huh. if a player with those issues, like if Adele comes in this spring, hits eight home runs, but striking out 35% of the time, guess what? I'm gonna believe not the eight home runs. You know what I mean? So it, it's one of those things when a guy yeah. shows you who they are, you have to believe them. I'm not going to suddenly believe an eight home run because we've seen Adele run hot, and Adele can hit. And a lot of these pitchers, you know, they're facing minor league pitching most like outside of, like the first inning or two. These guys will face minor league pitching a lot, and we mm-hmm. know Adele can crush it. So that's why it's like uh, strikeout rate. Strikeout rate is something I've just kind of looked, at. and it always has to go with not strikeout rate. Like if Trey Turner strikes out forty percent, I'm not too worried. That's just probably a slow start. But if it's a guy with strikeout yeah, issues, yeah, that you're that you're trying to project growth for, and. They're not showing growth there against worse pitching because again the pitching you're facing on average is worse. If you can't improve the strikeout mm-hmm. rates even there, what are the odds that you're going to suddenly figure it out, regardless of how good you did in your eight spring games, wherever in the in when when the, when the games matter? So that's why that's where that's why it's like yeah. Uh, strikeouts out. strikeouts like the only thing i really look at for uh, hitters and like i mentioned pitchers the only time i really pay attention is if they're going for a position and even then it's like i still don't give it like oh my god look at this guy he has like a 0.1 era like we see pitchers all the time overperforming like <laughs> in like in like 15 inning samples so it's just one of those things where the only time yeah. it really matters is just to see who wins that spot but other than that the coach will usually speak on that before you even have to figure it out yourself
1: yeah, prime example of the uh pitchers sucking in spring training. I keep I'm really good with the Mariners references, but back in the Felix Hernandez heyday, he was famous for that. And everybody around here would over exaggerate. Like, oh my God, he he threw two innings yesterday and it was sixty pitches and he gave up nine runs and struck out one. What the hell is going on? It's like, well, he was he was throwing his curveball at, at different spots in the in the at-bat that you wouldn't normally see him at. He's starting out with a, a change-up down and in just to see what happens. Like it, it, Nothing about any of that actually correlated to how he was going to perform throughout the year. This is just a time for them to get like real at-bats that aren't just live ABs against their teammates. It's like real in-game at-bats, and they can try different things. And then to like, the your point yeah. about the strikeout rate, yeah like i i've been keeping an eye on i keep an eye on Nick a lot as many people around here do uh That's today, crazy. Simple. he hit uh, yeah he hit like an opposite field bomb today in live ab's and everybody's freaking out about how sweet it was and granted he did come in with a, a pretty nice looking swing this year that he's kind of tweaked but it was off of like a triple a triple a pitcher in a live ab with no no like fielder, no none of that it's it, Kelnick hits bombs in those scenarios. He's already proven that he can hit triple A pitching, so that's not anything that makes me go nuts. But everybody seems to see that and think like, "Oh my God, he's fixed." But you you yeah. have to take everything with a grain of salt around <laughs> around this time of the year.
2: Um, but I pitchers, wanted to though. get into. Oh, oh yeah, Sorry. go ahead. No, go ahead. I was go just real, real quick with no, pictures. Um, your boy Matt Brash. I love Matt Brash, by the way. Love him. They were supposed to, you know they, they mm-hmm. talked about transit. They they talked about transitioning him to a starter again this year, or try to. Um, obviously, the WBC, yep. I think, because he said he said he was going to go do that. They said never mind, maybe. But that's yep. okay, fine. You see a guy like him and Dl Hall, guys that are known for control issues, but have electric stuff. If they can go out there with mm-hmm. three inning outings and actually have good control and command, that might matter. That matters. That that can that can possibly yep. carry over. So for pitchers, not so much performance per se, but like but guys that are actually trying to actively transition to a starter or guys that are just showing more control or more strikeout stuff, maybe pay attention to it. Maybe that could be your difference maker in a draft type of thing, write them down as a sleeper, put them on your watch list, but stuff like that can matter. I think for pitchers just watching, if especially pitchers with known control issues or lack of strikeout issues, maybe they're, maybe you see them flashing one skill or the other compared to what they usually do. And you're like, huh okay, I'll make note of that. Don't overreact. It's impossible not to, I know, but try yeah. not to overreact. And uh, yeah, that's, like, that's, <laughs> so it's never, it's never an actual stat so much as it is like an approach change, I guess is what I look for in spring.
1: I, it's awesome that you bring up Matt Brash because I've been trying to contain myself. lately. I've been a big Matt Brash guy since before last year. I did the shit that he did last spring training was absurd. And then he came out in that first start against the white Sox, and his just his pure stuff is ridiculous. I mean, he couldn't hit the broad side of a barn with the baseball standing five feet in front of it, but his stuff is ridiculous. And Jerry DePoto just came out. I think it was yesterday. He was on local radio uh, and he said, he sees an elite dominant closer in Matt Brash, which kind of threw yeah. everybody for a loop because Seawald and Munoz are supposed to be the closers this year and Brash has kind of been the. he'll probably be like a, a middle reliever guy maybe get a spot start if they stretch him out a little bit and all of a sudden Jerry DePoto starts out there that he sees an elite closer in Matt Brash which I personally don't see him closing games this year but I think he has the stuff to close if he's given the opportunity.
2: I uh, have been on the record of saying that I think he can, Matt Brash can steal a few close, uh, save opportunities at the beginning of the year, you know, because you have uh, Seawall returning from injury. You have Munoz returning from injury. If those guys get pushed back, delayed, or just aren't ready to push it come opening day, I could see him sneaking in a couple saves early on. I agree. I think they have too many options to just plug them in. But in terms of having yeah. the stuff, I think Brash has the stuff to be a closer. That's, I don't think that's even a question. And we saw how good he was as a reliever compared to a starter last year. But he's been a guy that I've been targeting late in drafts, oh, yeah. especially the leagues I play. He's the guy that I think at the very least, he's one of those guys, that he's going to come in at, if no later than the sixth or seventh inning, be set up for those wins, sneak in a few wins, sneak in, sneak in a few saves. He'd be one of those guys that, you know, the middle reliever of that year where you get that middle reliever who had like the sub three ERA, Uh, over a strikeout an inning and got you like five wins and three saves and was like super valuable. I think Matt Brash has that potential and that's why I really, that's why I really like him this year. He's on, he's on so many, he's on majority of my teams already and I'm not, I'm not done drafting. I'm just taking a break because you know, content's going crazy right now. But uh, (laughs) a Brash guy I've been super in on Brash has been a guy I've been super in on. And then you tell me that quote really just, I'm glad I didn't see if I saw that quote, you would have saw me tweeting in excitement about it. Cause I've like been saying this, I've been saying, I see the potential too. (laughs) And, everyone who sees anyone with eyes sees the potential for closer stuff with him. It's just a matter of it's that it's the team. It's the team yep. context and the lack of opportunity for consistent saves. I don't see any closer being the consistent closer there, but because of that, you have to figure Matt Brash factors mm-hmm. into being one of the guys that will close games once in a while. Once in a while. I don't know. It's, yep. it's, a, it's a messy situation, but and he's I a prime example Brash. of a guy that,
1: He's a prime example of a driveline guy. Like you talked about driveline earlier. <laughs> you he go. spent so much time working with driveline. This literally driveline is like, uh, it's in uh, Kent out here. It's like 30 minutes from my house. It's one of the main oh, driveline places. And he has spent so much time this offseason. season. I think he worked on a, uh, I think it's a cutter. They had him add this on. Op- and the the guy that runs driveline came out and said that matt brash i don't even remember what the quote was It was something ridiculous that even i thought was kind of like it was was like something like matt brash has the best stuff in like pitching wise in major league history or something like (laughs) that then the full quote ended up being like that his spin rates and things are so crazy that if he can get his like get it under more control over those pitches that he could have some of the best stuff in major league history but of course the editors taking the the little juicy part uh-huh. out of the out of the, out of context to make it sound better than normal, but oh, yeah, absolutely. I mean especially Anthony Munoz out here, I think is the guy that's gonna. I mean, nothing like dive too deep into Mariner closer talk, but he he's too <laughs> good to not be the front runner when everybody's healthy. I mean, he throws 103 and he has a slider that breaks like 12 feet, which is nuts. But I know you talked about Brash being a guy. That you have been targeting in drafts. And the last thing I wanted to ask you was I know recently you put out your fantasy pros article, your uh, your was it your must drafts for this year? Give me two
2: yes. guys that should be well, on people's
1: race drafts for this year.
2: Well, Matt Brash is one of them. He is a my guy. He didn't make the article because for fantasy pros, I try to keep it more relevant to what I expect, you know, fantasy pros listeners and viewers to be interested in in terms of players. But um, so I'll name yeah a couple. I'll I'll name uh, so one of my guys. I'm all in on Eloy man. It's just it's it's a sick obsession at this point. I've been yes. I remember I set I set the min pick for him back in like November because I'm one of those degenerate drafters. And since then, it's no longer the min pick. It's actually more <laughs> the his min pick, the min pick in November, which was like in the 60s, has turned into his ADP now. And um and it, I think I think that's because the market is properly correcting. Because if there's a guy that has the chance to be that type of step up, like the next P or the next Yordan, it would be Eloy in terms of he has the hard hit skills. He made improvements in the approach. Eloy just needs to stay healthy. The problem is, is he wants to play the field again. He's been purposely, <laughs> he's been purposely like working on it in yeah. the offseason. And I'm like, I don't know what's. I'm like, stop, just stop working on things. Go away. Like stay off the field in the second <laughs> half. He, d- he DH like 45 out of 50 games or something wild. And we saw a healthy Eloy, Put up what would be an MVP caliber season offensively had it had it been a full season. So ultimately, mm-hmm. Eloy is just a guy that I'm. I've, I've never actually been in on him. I've always faded him at cost, and I still. I, I, it's just one of those things where power is so hard to come by. The ball, the humidors, everything. Power isn't what it used to be in terms of ease of access. So mm-hmm. I like his skill set being that. Like the, I think you can put him in the conversation with a Alonzo and a Jordan. And the price tag isn't there, and I know health is a big if I want to emphasize I'm aware health is a big if with Eloy Jimenez. But if you <laughs> but but I'm if I'm taking one risk early, which I, I like to take one risk, I really don't like to take too many risks. I like to kind of take one risk, it's either him or jazz. And jazz isn't a homer pick, it's because oh. I think if there's if there's two players that have the potential to be top two-round picks. Jazz has a potential to be a first rounder. Again, with him, it's just health too. So I know health is a big mm-hmm. deal. You can't ignore that. You can't just ignore. You can't say just stay healthy. That doesn't worry. You again. <laughs> if we Mike Trout, if he just stayed healthy, we, we've been saying that <laughs> for three years for him. You know, the dude's elite. We know that. But he, if he stayed yep. healthy, he would have given he would have given Judge a run for his money because he was you know I think uh, Trout was pacing Judge you know or at least was with close to would have yep. been close would have been like an old school race for like the home run leader. I feel like. But uh, anyway, my yep. point is is health health is impossible to uh, bank on, especially for players that have shown to not be healthy. but um, those are my two guys. if there's a my guy in the early rounds, I want one of those two. I will never draft both of them on the same team. that's a mistake. but I will take one of those two in most drafts <laughs> just because uh, just because I want that type of upside. I want that type I want that player that the low end, you're still getting a player that's very usable while they're in your lineup. And somebody who can be a difference maker while they're playing. On the high end, you're getting guys that could, I don't think Eloy could be a first rounder, but I think Eloy can actually be a second round pick, you know, again, following following the and maybe or early third. My point is, is you're paying a fifth mm-hmm. or sixth round pick for him in some leagues. And um, if you're able to get that type of if you're able to get that type of difference maker where he's going, that's a big deal. A uh, jazz, you're paying, you know, third, fourth round pick for him. So again, there's less room for error there for jazz, but we're talking about a player with a skill set that mm-hmm. can that can put them into that top two rounds easily any given year. So I want a player like that on my team because if you, I just I like having at least one. Again, I will not put both of them on my team ever. but Those are two of my early round guys I really <laughs> like. I really, I, I have to. I, I, like to try, I like to try to get one of them in every draft, at least one of them. Now there's been times where I don't get either, but it's usually pretty rare. I usually end up with at least one of them. Um,
1: I if I was guys. here right now, he would be laughing his ass off. Because jazz is like my number one, I he's my number one like must have person for this year as well. I have him as my second ranked uh, second baseman, and I think he does have. Again, it comes down to the health thing, like you said. Like he's got to stay healthy, but if he stays healthy, it's like him, Acuna julio rodriguez and maybe tatis as guys that could have like 40 home run 30 steal seasons and it wouldn't be ridiculous it's only those guys and you can get them in the fourth round fifth round sometimes if you're in a, a league where people are kind of nervous about the injury so yeah, yeah yeah i i am fully on board with the the jazz
2: and o'neal Cruz kind
1: of round. fits Do you that have a guy, though?
2: oh i have i have that's all still so, oh, yes, it's does. actually
1: harder that's a good call <laughs>
2: I always have. Uh, I always have late round guys. Late round, like, I, I, I just always talk late round guys. Um, I'm trying to think of guys. Um, that I'm, it's weird because I, I try not to go too deep at the same time. Like, I, I've been really vocal about liking Max Kepler this year. One of the guys I expect to Max Kepler and Carlos Santana, two old, boring guys. Guys, I like to get late in drafts, usually in the reserve rounds. So even in 15 teamers, where that's these what I'm talking about. So TJFBI players, stuff like that. These guys are guys mm-hmm. I really like because you're getting them in the reserve rounds. They both have so, like really solid power metrics, really solid plate discipline. Those are two things I look for. I, I'm, I'm a sucker for plate discipline, and both these guys have like like high end plate discipline. They both have <laughs> they both have clear paths, and they're both very similar. They both have clear paths to playing time. They both should have they should both hit in the top four or five in their lineup on most days. And they're both big time shift ben- like shift band benefactors, benefactors, whatever the word is. Uh, they are both men- they are both likely to benefit from the shift band. <laughs> if you look at their numbers and like for instance, I know um, there was like a Woba versus X Woba difference for uh, Kepler nearly 100 points on line drives and ground balls hit into the shift last year. So if you're looking at just Ooh. that, like expected stats versus actual production on line drives and ground balls hit into the shift, uh, Kepler was one of those guys that like had bad luck there. And that's the type of stuff when I'm looking for shift data, I'm looking at like, okay, BABIP luck. I'm looking at, you know, the, the WOBA and XWOBAs on, you know, line drives and ground balls because that's what you're hitting into the shift mostly. So you give them – I'm not saying that they're going to be world mm-hmm. beaters, but if they, if they can get back to – because they haven't shown a deterioration in the other skill sets, the hard hit rate really, and the, and the plate approach, I'm willing to take a chance on these guys mm-hmm. as like, again, these are bench pieces. These are guys that are going to fill in the blanks in your deeper leagues. They're boring again. I passed the exciting, uh, the upside, the exciting sleepers, went straight to the boring guys. That I like to get later, so it's like there's it's hard to, for me to fall in between because there's just, there's a lot of players I really like. Um, I'm actually looking at ADP now. I, I Kalendick's a guy I'm liking at price in 12 teamers, but in 15s, I'm afraid of him because I, because in 12 in 15s, you have to have him as a starter, In 12s, he's actually a bench yep. piece, and that that makes a big difference. Oswald, Oswald Peraza, same thing. I like him in 12s more than 15s. Um, same flashy skill set. We all know the five. I like flashy skill sets, and that's kind of what I'm targeting in these later rounds in in, in 12s and 15s. I want more secure and sure things, and that's why you're seeing like, mm-hmm. like there's a difference. You, that's way different in, what, in those names I just mentioned. Um, I'm sure I am sure I can give more. I'm just uh, I'm scrolling. Nolan Nolan Jones is a guy um, <laughs> I'm banking on a lot too. Love Nolan Jones and Bryce Terang, two hitters I really like late. Um, mm. One has power, one has speed. Uh, Trang has a clearer path to playing time. I think he's actually going to start at second base. Might bat ninth. Was thirty four for thirty six on the base pass last year. So the stolen bases for Trang are a legitimate skill. And the Brewers are known to be a team that likes to run. So and he, and Trang's a guy with always always has a double digit walk rate. Keeps the uh, the the K's like around twenty percent or less. So the plate approach should help him. Mm-hmm. It should help him as well as he transitions to the major leagues. So if he can keep that on base skill set. With that, with that, with that um, ability to steal bases and with new rules, Terang is a guy I really like as a stolen base sleeper, um, or as a sleeper in general. I think because I think even though the power isn't a plus for him, Terang can hit ten to fifteen home runs in that ballpark, you know. So and ha- and he'll play some mm-hmm. Grand America ballpark and other places too. I know the divisions aren't what they used to be, you know, the whole division play thing. So he won't get as many yeah. games in uh, in Cincinnati, but he'll still get some. Is kind of the point. So Trang yep. is a guy that. If you if you want to skip those boring guys I mentioned the old men the the, the AARP collectors so to speak, <laughs> Bryce Trang's a guy. He's he's been one of my like main guys I've been going after. I've just been watching the ADP climb from him. He he was a guy you were getting like in the six hundreds in early drafts. That as soon as his name was popped up on um popped up on roster resource as a starter he just jumped up and then they never and then they traded colton wong and that was kind of like oh there goes bryce trang's adp oh, yeah. jumping like jumping like 150 picks and he's still going at a place where i think there's a huge like people love um <laughs> people really like um oh man uh miguel vargas for the dodgers I, I really like him he's a guy that i actually i was getting a lot of around pick 300 and mm-hmm. now he's around pick 200 and i'm like oh that price but um I think it's like a poor man's go-go Vargas in terms of having that type of skill set. He won't be as good as Vargas, but I think you're still gonna get you can get batting average here, you can get speed, and you get playing time. And I think with Vargas, you're getting batting average, speed, and playing time. Both are gonna hit the bottom of the order. I just think there's a higher floor, a higher floor for Vargas with very similar ceilings. I, I think. And that's just me being maybe I'm a little biased. Maybe I'm just too high on a terrain. But uh, if ter- if terrain carries over anything we saw in triple A into the major leagues. I think Trang's going to be one of those guys that everyone's going to be trying to fight over on the waiver wire in the first few weeks of the season if they don't draft him.
1: That's some good-ass insight that I was – this is the reason I wanted you on there because this is perfect because I'm not I'm not the biggest prospect guy, so anybody that can dive that deep into the ADP and talk about some prospects that – I mean, I I shouldn't say I'm not that big of a prospect guy. I, I know my fair share of prospects. I actually did talk about uh, Bryce Trang on – we were on uh, Sleeper in the Bus um, – Super Bowl Sunday. We
0: were
1: were on there and talked about Bryce trying a little bit. You gave a lot more detailed explanation on how you feel about him than I did. I like yours way better. My big thing was he's (laughs) he's fast. He's a guy. He's going to get you steals. There is the bigger bases this year, which won't make a huge difference, but a prime example I used in our last episode, um, a lot of the Seattle sports radio out here, uh, like Ryan Divish and people that are out at uh, Mm -hmm. Mariners training camp right now checking it out they said that the bases look like pizza boxes out there, which I thought was a pretty damn good analogy looking at the the pictures because they look – I mean, they didn't get necessarily that much bigger, but they look bigger. And so anybody with that kind of speed, even if it was in the minor leagues, is going to translate over to the major Mm -hmm. leagues. Like if you're fast, you're fast. If the bases are bigger, you're going to steal more bases. And you said he was, what, 34 for 36 on solo bases last year? Yep, Something like that. So – He's got what it takes to be a legitimate steals guy in a league that I think might be. I think steals are going to be cheaper this year because I think a lot more people are going to be able to get to double digit steals, but not many people can get like 40 to 45 steals, which makes him that much more valuable, especially that late into the draft.
2: If he's actually good, and it goes back to if he actually breaks camp, that's going to matter, obviously. But um, yeah, yeah, I think as long as he breaks camp as the starter, I don't see why that he would get the red light as long as he remains that efficient. Um, another, I'm just going to throw a few more names out there because I love talking deeply, guys. Um, Ryan Pepio from the uh, from the Dodgers. He's a, we're talking about guys with uh, strikeout upside. Talking about guys that pitch for a team with great win potential. Pepio has that. The only thing about Pepio, and that's this is something I'm watching with, in spring with him. Can he get those walks under control? The stuff, like the strikeout stuff, is there. The potential is there, and that's a team, the Dodgers, that have what Thor, Kershaw, Dustin. They already talked about how limiting May's innings. There's going to be a clear path to innings on this roster, just via injury and limitations to others. Pepio should be the next guy up, and we know the potential and the skill set is there. It's just a matter of can he get that control? Can he get the? Can he get that command and control in place? So Pepio is a guy that I really like in terms of. a Deep league pitcher and a couple of r- really under the radar guys that no one's drafting. Even th- th- these guys are going undrafted. Three hitters going undrafted in even fifty round drafting holes right now, uh and not all of them, but some of them. Like, I-, I looked up. I looked up Cade marlowe for the Mariners. He wasn't even drafted oh. in in any or in any spots. He hasn't even been drafted. And you, you're a Mariners guy. Topoto name dropped yep. marlowe Now that now that Trammels out. So maybe now he's been drafted. I yep. haven't looked since, you know, it's been, it's been a few days, but uh, Marlo, if you look at the numbers flashy dude, and you know, again, you know, you know, the play approaches there, mm-hmm. so the work ethic, the work ethic is big. People don't talk about work ethic and fantasy, but the work ethic is there for Marlo. He has the, uh, he was very smart. He got like awards in college. I found a whole thing. Um, i trying to remember the site. I saw that uh, it was, it was a whole thing about how good he was in school and college and the awards he got. I'm like, a guy like that is a great learner. Great. And he puts that same work ethic into the game. Apparently um, we saw him break out last year in the minors and he's already been talked up by Depoto himself yep. this year. Marlo is a guy that no one's talking about. And other than you being a fan of the team, i, I everyone talked to him. No one really knows about him. The casual fan. I didn't Again, I ran into him because he was, he was on the 40 man. I have, I, I ran into him and mm-hmm. do my little 40 man research that I always do. And that's why I do. <laughs> that's why I do the That's why I do this. I, I find fun names like this, him, Jared Triolo, for the pirates who yeah, I didn't know either, <laughs> but he's on the 40 man turning 25 known for his glove. And, um, <laughs> I said, and the reason why, the reason why that, the reason why that matters is because defense, defense doesn't matter in fantasy, but it matters in real life. So if you can find a path to playing time, because of how good your defense mm-hmm. is for a team, especially a team like the pirates, they have a clear need at second base too. I think it's Rodolfo Castro is the in right now for second base. Um, Trillo had yeah. strong plate discipline. Triolo offered he, last year in uh, AA, 112 games. We saw 17.6% K rate and a 12.7% walk rate. So again, elite plate discipline, at least at that level. Ooh. And um, yeah, nine home runs. Mm-hmm. So power is not special, but the stolen base is 24 of them. 24, 24 for 29 on the base paths and five triples. So it goes to show you that it was actually like the speed isn't just like luck. It's when you have, when you have triples and stolen bases like that, it's usually pretty legit. So it's more or less, I'm targeting a player with upside, good defense. Uh, at least I, I skill set upside. Like Marlo's more of a like Marlo's power and speed trail is just kind of speed. But, um, it was just one of those things where it's like, you see this guy 25 years old on the 40 man on a team that doesn't really have a reason to not give him a chance over a guy like Rodolfo Castro. Um, that's kind of where I'm looking at just a speed potential type of guy and, uh, blaze Alexander's last one for the D backs power speed breakout last year. Um, if you look at their roster for the D backs, who do you have, um, Nick Ahmed and Perdomo, those guys aren't the types of guys I think project to be much of a hindrance to Alexander's playing time. And I think Alexander is decent with the glove too, which matters to know Ahmed is good with the glove or Ahmed has been good with the glove. So I think if um the d- if defense can be even mm-hmm. close to meds, I think Alexander, as long as he shows out in spring, can push for that starting spot sooner than later. Cause I know they have Lawler and other options there, but they don't have him this year. Blaze Alexander is he has nothing left to prove in the minors. He took a big step forward last year in the minors, and there's a clear path to it. To, to playing time in the field, and that bat can benefit this lineup, which the D-backs are a sneaky, good lineup. I think they have a lot of depth. I think the depth is really what makes the difference this mm-hmm. year. Blaze Alexander can kind of s- slip in as that final piece, even if he's batting ninth. He provides an offensive boost from the shortstop position they don't currently have. So those are three prospects under the radar guys that no one's really talking about for redraft purposes right now. And Marlowe's my favorite, but I think it's just because of how flashy the skill set is because you look at the playing time and unless unless Pollock is going to be weak side platoon, which Pollock does have splits against lefties and issues with righties, that could be a natural fit those two, Marlo and uh, Pollock, or Pollock filling in as needed with Marlo being the lefty and Kelnick being a lefty too. Okay. Yeah, I, think, I I I just throw uh, a whole. You asked me who my guys. <laughs> the lingo? I just throw a whole bunch of guys. I lo- I do. I I, no, I told you. I'm, uh, we get stuff every day. I like, guess all I do. I have a weird sick addiction.
1: <laughs> I, I'm glad you brought up Marlo because he he's somebody that I don't get enough chances to talk about. I haven't talked about him on here at all, but he's on the 40 man. And if I remember correctly, he's on the 40 man because uh, Depoto, for one, fucking loves him and wanted him to be on the. uh, the playoff roster last year. So they put him on the. See, and it that. goes That's down. <laughs> Marlowe's already on the, yeah. Marlowe's yeah. already on the 40 man. And De- DePoto, the thing with the Mariners is when DePoto loves somebody service, finds a way to get that person into the lineup in some capacity. So all it's going to take, if, if Marlowe has some kind of spring or some kind of, I don't even know what the word I'm looking for is if he does literally anything if he breathes correctly the will put him up on the major league roster
2: yeah but, and not to mention I' will say not to mention Kelnick oh, sorry Kelnick go ahead, himself go ahead. I'll say Kelnik himself can just struggle mm-hmm. again you know and then there you go there's another clear path there's no lack of path there it's just a matter of how they can make it happen and I think this is
1: Kelnik's last chance if he if he can't get it going. They're not going to cut him. and I think he's out of a down. He'll get because he'll want the upside. And then the Mariners do have something like Leonard Trammell when he gets uh, healthy again and comes back. And fun fact, uh, I was one of the few people that had season long credentials for the Tacoma Rainiers last year. And I got to interview Taylor Trammell at Rainiers Media Day. Maybe the nicest athlete I've ever met in my entire life. He likes my hoodie when we were done, which is Pretty fucking cool. <laughs> but uh, Mike, this has been fun. Tell the people where they can find you.
2: I appreciate you letting me get on here and ramble for an hour. Uh, hope those that listened enjoyed the rambling uh, <laughs> craziness. But this is me, man. You get me on here. Like, I didn't show up like this. I showed up with like this cool, calm demeanor. And uh, like, you got me talking baseball. I'm like a kid in a candy shop. Uh, <laughs> but you can follow me on Twitter <laughs> uh, at Mike underscore Curland. That's where you'll find everything I do. Um, the big thing right now, obviously, uh, the YouTube check check out the youtube it's youtube.com slash at gte fantasy i just dropped another sleepers i think it's like sleepers 5.0 where that's where a lot of this information comes from if you go if you you go watch all my videos they're all like five minutes or less so they're shorter videos but they're all it's all names like this like these names didn't come out nowhere these names are like the reason why i have all this information is because i use these use this information to prep for other stuff so all this stuff was just off the top of my head because i have just just issue i have issues i'm aware um (laughs) <laughs> the athletic has my articles, the Patreon, patreon.com slash GTE fantasy. Um, again, man, I really appreciate you having me on. And for those listening, thank you for putting up with me.
1: Yeah, I appreciate you coming on uh, YouTube. I watch all of your YouTube videos that come out. I think I've seen every short that you have put out. Uh, for those of you that have seen any of the TikTok and YouTube videos I have been trying to get better at making over the last few weeks, Mike has been very helpful. Uh, when it comes to helping me figure out how to do some of this stuff and the programs to use and all of that. So I really appreciate that because it has been a really fun and hard thing to learn, and you've made it much easier. So thank you. Uh, everybody, go sign up for Mike's Patreon. Go check out all of his work. It's well worth it. Uh, this is kind of information that you're not just going to pull up some random site and get this kind of stuff.
0: Uh, but as always... We're also brought to you by Underdog Fantasy. Underdog is your home for off-season NFL best ball drafts, but they also got you covered for a ton of other daily games, including NBA, NHL, and PGA. Underdog Fantasy is a great way to get down on your favorite player props if they're not available in your state. Head over to underdogfantasy.com and use promo code SGPN for 100% deposit bonus up to $100. That's underdogfantasy.com, promo code SGPN yeah underdog is what we use for our best ball hopefully we can uh get that going here again soon now that spring training is underway and we just had a, a great conversation you had a great conversation with mike curland about it so uh, hopefully everyone is a lot more uh informed now and knows what to look out for <laughs> over the next coming few weeks yeah there was so much mariners talk that went on in that
1: i'm sorry but i'm also not sorry at the same time it, it's just and a
0: normal f- a normal episode it's just
1: yeah it's pretty the, much it's it. the
0: mariners <laughs> and phillies show <laughs>
1: pretty much and i i was here for it even got to talk some real deep manners like kade marlow who stole a base in spring tra- in his spring training game today and i'm also excited to hear how high he is on jazz chisholm that made me so happy and i wish you were there for it when he talked about how Jazz chisholm was his like number one overall must draft player wow, man i was so fucking happy and all i could think was ryan needed to be here for this <laughs> i feel validated <laughs> but yeah it, it was awesome and i'm glad he came on
0: and we we're talking about the uh, Mariners game b- before we kicked the interview, but I also saw that uh, I think Manny Machado was the first batter to become a victim to the uh, automatic strike rule. So you see the pitch clock there; it's it's pretty big right now where, where it is. But that's a minor league stadium, so we'll see yeah. what it ends up being uh, in the major league stadiums.
1: It's from what I could tell last year, because I went to a lot of Rainiers games last year, Triple uh, A for the Mariners, and they had the pitch clock. And it was never really an issue. It's something that players seem to get used to really, really quickly. Mm-hmm. I think it's something that's way overblown with a lot of like, oh my God, uh, Shohei Otani was the slowest starter between getting the ball back and getting the next pitch in. How's that going to affect him? I don't think it is. He's just literally just going to throw the pitch quicker. Like it, it didn't make much of a difference. I think I went to, uh, man, I probably went to 10 Rainiers games last year. And I think I saw that uh, free strike or whatever for going over the pitch clock one time in 10 games. So the game was definitely way faster today though. That Mariners game, it was cruising with that pitch clock.
0: Yeah. I saw people discussing if, if the pitch clock should be on the score bug on the, on TV. I, I, why not? I mean, you have the shot clock on there for NBA. You have the play clock on there for NFL. So, I mean, it'll take some getting used to, but mm-hmm. a few, a few weeks into the season, even not even months, we'll, we'll, we'll not even think, think twice about it.
1: Yeah. Uh, but everybody, make sure you go and follow us on Twitter at Baseball, the coolest at on Twitter. And please make sure you go follow us and give us a five star rating on Apple and Spotify. We absolutely love those. They help us a ton. We don't ask for much in return, but we ask for that just because it helps us get our name out there more. It helps us get seen more. And yeah, uh, you can catch me on Twitter at Balake,
0: B-U-H-H-L-O-C-K-A-Y-E. And you can follow me on Twitter at rgilbertsop. And I'll catch you guys next time. Peace.